0: And I really think that's an important insight for a single mom to have. You had hopes and dreams for your life with this guy or maybe the relationship or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe that promise is not going to be the one that's there. But God always sees. He always hears. And your son
1: is a son of a promise. Well, that's Roland Warren. And he joins us today on Focus on the Family, offering help and encouragement for single moms who are raising boys. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Dilly.
2: John, speaking to the listeners and the viewers, odds are you know somebody who is a single parent, a single mom, particularly. And again, uh, you know, we understand there are dads who are single parents, but another data point is 80 percent of the single parents are moms. So we're going to speak to that today. We see you. We know you are there, that 20% that are the dads raising their children. I think a lot of what we talk about today is going to be relevant to you, but we're going to address our uh, topic toward moms raising sons. And we want to speak to your heart today. You've got a big job, the most important job, and we want to help you with the tools to do it
1: even better. And our guest uh, was also raised by a single mom. And as Jim said, there are single dads listening in. Uh, we do believe you'll uh, hear some good stuff here uh, from our guest. Roland Warren is the CEO of CareNet, a pro life ministry that supports a network of pregnancy centers and helps women in crisis pregnancies. His latest book is Raising Sons of Promise a guide for single mothers of boys and it really is going to form the basis of our conversation today.
2: Roland, welcome back to Focus. Well,
0: thank you for having me, Jim. Great to be here.
2: It's good to see you. Thanks for all you do at CareNet. I mean, Focus works with CareNet and we both work with those wonderful uh, pregnancy resource centers around the country who are
0: trying to help a mom make the right decision. A- absolutely. So, and thanks for that. Yeah, so it, and certainly from the perspective of single moms, uh unfortunately a lot of those cases, you know, the women who choose to bring their children into the world, end up living as a single mom. And that was yeah. one of the reasons that you know God's kind of had me in that place, having grown up with a single mom and then has me in a ministry that disproportionately ministers uh, to women who make that amazing choice to bring their child yeah. into the world.
2: Yeah, let me make that big commercial statement right yeah. here. In church, if you notice a single mom and you're an intact family, can you wrap around her a little bit, maybe help her with the kids and just be that family that stood in the gap for her and with her? And uh, same is true with the guys who are single-parent dads, but I'm just saying, and we won't say it again, but if you have the capacity, put your arm around those folks, and those kids are going to benefit substantially by your act of kindness. Um, let's go to it, uh, Roland. Uh, it's not culturally acceptable to say that a father's absence is difficult, yeah. even though all the data supports that. Man, children do so much better when dad is in the home. And the culture, especially the progressives, want to ignore that. You know, it doesn't matter.
0: Dads don't matter. Moms can do it all. It's not the way God designed it. No, absolutely not. And, and, you know, um, I think one of the things that kind of led me down this path, having grown up without a dad in my life, and that perspective really is what kind of led me to really think about The role of fathers and how important they are to the well-being of kids, but also given the father absence crisis that you you talked about a little bit before, the role of single moms, that in so many of those cases, you know, a dad may not step into the picture. So if you're going to break the cycle, certainly we need to reach out and try to engage dads. But the other key is really helping moms Raise their boys not just to be good men, but also to be good husbands and good fathers as well. So and, true. Yeah, you, you mentioned the need to acknowledge the loss of growing up without a
2: dad. You know, you and I come from the same family type, right? And I, I wonder. I thought of myself. Did I ever really do that? Acknowledge the loss of growing up without my dad? I, I don't know that I can point to a time. I think it was. It just was. Mm-hmm. So explain to
0: me what you mean by acknowledging the loss of not having a father. Yeah, and you, you, you said it well early on. I mean, so often, you know, single moms are kind of taught to kind of view this, that, that you just need to power through this, and that, in fact, it, it's empowering. I mean, when I was writing this book, I was looking at other books that were written for single moms, and they were all had this sort of you-go-girl and be a butt-kick single mom, and all that kind of thing. Like, this <laughs> you can a, do it. This is an empowering yeah. kind of opportunity for you. And really didn't kind of lean into the fact that, no, it's actually a loss. Um, there's a man who made a promise to you in, in many of these cases and didn't keep that promise. He made a mm-hmm. promise to your child and didn't keep that promise. Uh, I always say God whispered into the wounds of their mothers that, that there's going to be this guy who's going to love you like no like other. And if he is unable, unwilling to um, fill that hole that God puts in his soul, that it can leave a wound that's not easily healed. So to think that it's not a loss— uh, I think for me, from my perspective, is is very problematic. And also I think it causes a lot of guys to go down a path to kind of deal with this loss in a way that maybe not be constructive for them or even for their families. Yeah.
2: Your mom, Angie, as you wrote in the book, so I'm not you know, yeah. outing you, but <laughs> it's good for people to connect with real life experiences. Yeah. So your family, again, experienced all of this. So mm-hmm. your mom had a lot of loss. Describe it. Yeah. Explain it. And what you and your mom dealt with
0: trying to figure out what do we do? Yeah, well, my mom, you know, she lost her mother when she was, was nine years old huh. uh, to cancer. And then my, my grandfather, very quickly, within almost a year, uh, remarried. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, just going through and looking at the story, there's the loss of my mom. And then, I, at least as I talked to her, it almost felt that she lost her dad, too, because he was so quick uh, to find a wife. Now, she had, she was one of, of, of five sisters. So I, I'm confident that, that maybe my grandmother said, hey, you need <laughs> – these girls need a, a mom. But my, I don't know that my mother really viewed it that way. Uh, she got pregnant when she was 16, 17 years old, met my dad. Uh, and uh, they got married uh, very shortly thereafter. And then um, then the relationship began to fray um, after some years and he wasn't around anymore. So there's that loss. And then when I was uh, eight and my older brother was 10, uh, we were on vacation and he drowned. Uh, tragically, goodness. while we were on vacation there 's that loss, and so you know it 's really interesting as I started to look at my mom 's story it 's just loss after loss after loss after loss, and you know just me observing how she handled loss and what she modeled for us, yeah, it really was more of sort of you just power through this you don 't stop you don 't process you don 't grieve uh, we didn 't celebrate my brother 's birthdays we really didn 't talk about him anymore we just in a lot of ways just sort of erased him out of out of that and so um, you know, I started to kind of think about loss sort of the same way. And, and even with my dad, um, I, I realized over time that me not really processing that loss of relationship and the yeah. loss of having a father who was involved in my life the way that other dads were, it really had an impact on me. It was impacting me uh, even as a father uh, yeah. in a lot of ways as well. You
2: know, so often we talk about processing loss, processing that dark, Cloud that happened in our life, women have an incredible capacity to look at themselves first,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and often that comes with guilt,
0: yeah,
2: right, so they 're saying, um, what did I do wrong? What was my role in this? I see it in Jean. I mean she starts really with her own heart, yeah, I think men tend to start with the other guy, so <laughs> way we're wired you know it's yep. our ego or whatever it's their fault. They did that. Speak to that with your mom. did you ever talk about? any guilt that she may have felt that she
0: owned the burden of some of the things that were going on? Well, you know, interesting with my mom, I, I, you know, what I saw from, from her example for me was, you know, and in a lot of ways as it pertained to these kinds of things, she really just kind of shut down yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. She just sort of powered down and really sort of just, Kind of moved through what we were going through, yeah. and kind of I always say like like a linebacker, you know, she just takes the hit. Just and get you up just, and go. You just get up and go, and that was really what was modeled. And I and I think that probably embedded in a lot of that, unless she never talked to me about it. My mom passed away a couple of years ago, but. You know, one of the things was really sort of admitting the anger that you have that's there. You're talking about how do you process this law. you got to admit that there is some anger that's there uh, because of the loss that you have right. uh, related to this. And then also allowing then for the grief that comes related to that. Yeah. And I think that I, from my standpoint, I didn't see those two pieces as much in my mom's life. And I talked to a lot of single moms, and I think that that's a problem that, that can, can be there, that can exist.
2: Boy, that's a gold nugget for people yeah. to take away. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mental health experts would say... Talk about that pain because yep. that's going to help you heal, and uh you know I think the word is replete with examples of getting things out into the open into the light, et cetera. Let me ask you uh one day you said you decided you'd never let your father 's absence hurt you again, yeah, I get it i 'm connected with you because I am you, and you are a part of me right, <laughs> right, right. so we experience that it I remember talking to my wife about that, and I remember she had an obstacle that was tough emotionally. And I gave her the line, you know, you just got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and we got to go. And I just remember that fear that came into me when she looked at me and she said, Jim, not everybody's wired like you. And that scared me. I was like, seriously? Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was an option. Yeah. Um, But some people like that, I mean, it's not within their capacity to just pick up and go like your mom or like you or like me. And speak to that aspect of it. Can you really just say, okay, I'm going
0: to decide my father's absence is not going to hurt me? Well, and, <laughs> I mean, and frankly, you know, in retrospect, it's not healthy. Um, I, I tell a story in the book about you know, the first time I had to give a speech when I was president of National Fatherhood Initiative. And I told a story uh, about um, being at my father's funeral. and And essentially, you know my my father was a pastor uh, later in life and had really changed his life around. and And I was telling the story about how you know people were coming up to the pulpit at the at the funeral and saying all these amazing things about my father. And I just found myself becoming enraged. Just enraged. And I didn't even know where that was coming from. We weren't in conflict or anything. And finally this one guy comes up and he says, you know, I I was in prison and you know, Pastor Warren came to me and, you know, mentored me and and I was ready to punch somebody out. And I had this thought in that moment that, you know, I went to Princeton undergrad, I went to Penn to get an MBA, all these things. Did I need to go to prison in in order to get my father's love and attention? And I was just beside myself, just super angry. And I told that story. I never told anyone that story before. I never told anyone I was mad at my father's funeral, not even my wife. My mother, interestingly, picked it up, Hmm. but uh, never told anyone. And when I said those words, I burst into tears and i could not stop myself like one well, of my first speeches i'm just you know <laughs> it's like three or four hundred people i'm just sobbing uncontrollably mm. and as i kind of processed that afterwards you know what i realized was it goes back to what we talked about before i really had not learned how to process that loss like and that was one of the things i think it was really important for 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 my mom to help me do like process that loss even the loss of my brother we just kind of moved on right. so all of that was in there and in that moment before that 300, 400 people, I was really just a 10-year-old boy who was waiting for a father who hadn't shown up for various different things. And, and I had that hole in my soul that, that really became revealed. So the amazing thing that a single mom has the ability to do is really help her son work through that process. And, and you know, in the book, I use the story of Hagar, Hagar and Ishmael. It's kind of the what I use there. Hagar is an archetype for a single mom. Ishmael as the son of the, that Abraham had with Hagar as a result of kind of Sarah encouraging that to happen because the view was that you know Ishmael would be the son of the promise and you walk through that entire story it's it's such an amazing story yeah. for a single mom because Ishmael thought for 13 years that he was going to be the guy and then he gets 13 Isaacs born and all of a sudden Abraham says uh, not so much And you realize what happens there. And that's really what brought me to this book, this dealing with that loss. When I was writing Bad Dads of the Bible, one of the mistakes that I used was um, Abraham's mistake of abandoning his son. I used that. And I realized in that moment as I was writing that part, that chapter, that I was Ishmael. Uh, that I had a similar dynamic, and that right. really is how God led me to, to this point in this book. And so I use her as an archetype for a single mom to really help you kind of process loss and the other things to move you forward. And I, and I think that the big part of that story, which was important for me, was Ishmael was a son of a promise, but just not the same promise. Mm-hmm. And it took huh. me a long wow. time to realize that. It's a great statement. Because in that moment, right, the angel tells her he's going to be a father of many nations. Mm-hmm. And I, from my standpoint, I realized, okay, I didn't have this perspective with my own dad I had a different promise, and I really think that's an important insight for a single mom to have. You had hopes and dreams for your life with this guy or maybe the relationship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that promise is not going to be the one that's there, but God always sees, he always hears, and your son is... Is a son of a promise. It's a different promise. And you have to have the insight to see that and walk in that. And in that moment, I think that Hagar moves on and actually moves her son forward. And that's what a lot of what the book is about the encouragement there from that story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Roland, let me ask you this. Um, in the book, you encourage single parent moms to forgive their ex. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, all these things rattle in my head. You don't know the man I was married to, Roland. Are you serious? I mean, you'd have to be an angel to forgive that guy for what he did to me and to us. So let's start there. How do you, how do you break that crusty heart? And I get it. There's some legitimate attitudes there, but that's not where the Lord wants you to live. No. And it's not a healthy emotional or spiritual place for you to live. But how do you get over that, I don't want to say speed bump, but it may be a brick wall in forgiving your ex for what he did?
0: Well, it it is. It is the most difficult thing probably in the Christian walk is the challenge to forgive. I mean, it's what's modeled by Christ on the cross, right? It's the last thing he did was what? Forgive what? A victimizer. Not a victim, but a victimizer, the thief on the cross. So we see that modeled by Christ. We know we need to go there. I think the insight here is that you have to really understand that having unforgiveness in your heart, it's a bitter root that yields a bitter fruit that you actually can end up giving to your son. And the difference is that it won't come out the same way. Like for me, for example, if I eat carbs, I blow up like a, the Michelin man. Oh, right? I kind of know that feeling. <laughs> right, but, <laughs> right. But other folks, if they eat carbs, they do just fine. So your bitterness, you may say, well, okay, all I do is I talk to my girlfriends and I just complain about my ex and drag him down. That's as I eat that fruit. That's how it comes out in my life. Huh. But when you give that fruit to your son. That may not necessarily be the impact. He may choose a gang because he's working out some father absence issues. Uh, so it's a bitter root that yields a bitter fruit that you're
2: feeding to your child. You know, that that's really interesting because what you're saying is your son, like any child, a daughter too, they're going to want to find their identity. Sure. And if they're hearing only negativity about their father, they may go look for an identity other than him because you don't want to be that guy. And you find it in relationship in a gang or in other maybe
0: not so healthy relationship, right? Absolutely. So you might be positioning for positioning your son rather for a situation that later is going to be a parenting challenge for you wow. because all of this bitterness around the absence of his father. And here's the thing. He's got to make sense of that loss. I mean, if you think about the dad who's gone, as just sort of like a peg and a pegboard. We got rid of the peg, so now we have to deal with him. No, now you have to deal with the hole. I'm
2: thinking of the mom, too, who might say, hearing us talk about this, well, then you're just whitewashing his bad behavior. And I think my son, at the right age, even with the right motivation, should know about how bad he
0: was, because that was true. Well, certainly. I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that you shouldn't talk about truth. That's important. But you have to think about like your motives and what kind of truth you give him at what moment. And how you say it. And how you, and <laughs> like how you say it. I just said it. it. <laughs> look, yeah. I, look the, the reality is, um, I think one of the things that really helped me that my mom did She'd never talk my father down. She never did. That's and great. that was so healthy for me. I don't even realize, I didn't even realize at the time how healthy that was for me. I look so much like my dad. I'm built like him. And the reality is it's very difficult for a boy to sort of disaggregate the criticism that you're giving to this guy who looks like him you know, walks like him, that kind of a thing, to disaggregate that from his own identity, his own reality. Yeah. So he'll come to a point where he'll see his father for what he truly is. That's not your role. That's God's role to kind of reveal that to him over time. Your role is to help him not have bitterness in his heart. Mm. Uh, that's going to lead to some things that are not going to be God-honoring. And I think it's a powerful opportunity that you have as a single mom. And,
2: and what a great goal. Yes. I mean,
0: really, it's a noble goal to do that. And, and, and actually, frankly, it sets you free. I mean, as long as you're bitter towards someone, you're actually their captive. Yeah. That's the reality yeah, so of it. So true. We've kind of touched
2: on it, but I want to hit it very directly because, it, again, it's such a good model for people to hear. You talked about your father's absence and how you went about dealing with that. But directly, uh, how did
0: you forgive your dad for what he did? Well, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> it's a process. Um, that's the one thing I, I love in, in the book. I talk about this whole framework out of a, another wonderful book about that forgiveness is a dance, and it really is. You take a couple steps forward. Sometimes you take a step back. Something will happen that will remind you of a moment, and you have to kind of take that back uh, to God. It, you know, Forgiveness is a, you know, it's a living sacrifice, and the challenge with any sacrifice that's living is that I heard a preacher say years ago is that it can keep crawling off the altar, right? So it's not going to be like one and done. I mean, it's just not the way it works in life, but you have to continually be taking that back to God as those issues come up. And when I do that, I'm so much healthier. Mm. Um, It helps me be able to focus more on the good things that my dad brought uh, to the world, to my life, and not focus as much on the negative things. In other words, it gives me the perspective to being able to go forward using my windshield (laughs) <laughs> as opposed to my rear view mirror to guide me. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you're trying to drive and you drive using primarily your rear view mirror. You're going to get up in a lot of ditches and you're not going to be able to go very fast. And, and what forgiveness gives you the ability to do is actually do that. You don't forget what's behind you in that context, right? You still use your rear view mirror. It gives you the ability to gain perspective, if you yeah. will. But that's not where you focus. And people who walk in unforgiveness and kind of model that for their kids and encourage that in their children actually cause their children to to try to move forward in life using their rear view mirror to guide them. And and you can see how problematic that, that is. So God really wants us to forgive because he wants us to be the sons of promise that he's called us to be. And you're never going to be able to do that if you don't have the ability to forgive. In other words, frame things properly, but also move forward uh, in the promise that God has. And and I think the other thing, too, is that we've been forgiven for so much. And the reality is, if you think about the sternest rebukes in Scripture, it's really about unforgiveness. And I, and I really don't want to walk in that. I don't want to have to be judged in that context when I stand before God. And yeah. so I, I think that's an important aspect that any uh, single mom can, can bring to her son.
2: Well, and so often, um, you know, the most difficult things the Lord wants us to do are the most difficult things, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but again, that gets right back to the heart of God. Yeah. Man, did he have justification to say, hey, I'm not going to die on the cross for everybody because I'm not the guilty one. I yes. mean, think of that. Absolutely. But he laid it all down. And the challenge for us is embracing that as believers in Jesus and saying, okay, Lord, I don't know if I can Mm -hmm. do this, but could you empower me to do this? And that's really it. You start climbing the mountain at that point, the mountain of healthiness spiritually, emotionally. Um, The cultural messages about strong, independent, single moms. I mean, you've been reiterating that, your mom's attitude, let's pick ourselves up, let's go, let's go. It does accomplish the day's tasks and you get through it, but you also describe how that can be dangerous. So let's hit
0: that. Yeah, I I think because one of the challenges with with that perspective is that, you know, you can run into a situation where in your parenting model, you don't nurture as much as as you need to. I mean, I always talk about that good parenting you provide, you nurture, and you guide. And when, when you shift into that mode, and this is, I think, one of the big challenges when you're a single mom, because when you have the dad there, there's two providers, if you will, in a context, right? So, and women tend to sort of lean into that, that nurturing piece, sort of a natural aspect of that, sure. right? And so what happens when you become a single mom, the focus can be so much on provision that the nurturing piece can be shortchanged. There's no some, balancing There's factor. no balance there. And boys, frankly, a lot of times will give you the impression that they don't need nurturing, and you see a boy a lot of times when his mother's getting ready to hug him and kiss him, and he's pulling back, Mama! like he doesn't need it. I can tell you as a son, that did, probably didn't get a lot of that. Right. He desperately needs that. So you can get very, very focused on just the provision part, which is kind of get this done, get this done. It becomes more task-oriented. And so that what ends up happening is that your son may feel more like a contractor, like getting all the tasks done, mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a family member, if you will. Yeah. So I think there's a real miss if you, if you don't kind of stop process and really reflect on the fact that he needs you to provide, yes, absolutely, but he also needs you to nurture him. And the nurturing is so key because the next step that you need to do is guide him. And if you don't build that nurturing construct, that relational context with him, then it's going to be very difficult to guide him. So one of the things we talk about in the the book is opportunities to nurture, how you can do that with boys, being intentional. And you have so much to do, but those little things that you can do, like even putting notes in his bag saying, I love you, things of that nature uh, is so important. And the other thing I would say about nurturing to make it easy is lean into what's important to him. So, I was a sports guy. That's all I did, right? right. That, that was sports, 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 sports. But here's sort of a miss. I mean, my mom really wouldn't come to my games. She didn't talk to me about that. It was such a big part of my life. Oh, you were isolated in it. And so, all yeah. my hopes, my dreams, my my disappointments, all of them were on a football field. Right. And yet when I came home, there was really no discussion about that because I think in many ways she kind of viewed that as, well, this is a game that he's playing as opposed to this is a part of a life that he's living. Yeah. So lean into the, the things that you know that he's interested in. Those create opportunities for you to nurture him where he is and the things that are important to him. So yeah. whatever that may be. So look for those opportunities.
2: Well, let me, let me end here because uh, what I'd like to do is come back uh, tomorrow and pick up the conversation. There's more to cover. But I think for single-parent moms listening – watching right now um, let's give them that that hope yeah I mean that as a single mom uh, God has promises for you
0: well he, he does and, and and that's really when you going back to Hagar again her, her last words in that passage was were God it's the God who sees me And he gave her the name for a son, Ishmael, which is a God who hears. And so you have to continue to walk in that promise that he sees you and he hears you and it's a God who loves you. And he wants good for you and he wants you to raise a son of promise. And there is a promise for your son. Amen. I think a testimonial
2: uh, comment about that. So my mom died uh, and the day before she died, she accepted Christ. Wow. And all five of the kids over about a 30 year period have come to know the Lord. God. So that's a promise we won't be able to share together until we're all there in heaven. But to that single-parent mom who's worried, mm-hmm. that's a promise of God. Amen. I think you have a special place in God's heart.
1: Wow. And uh, we trust that you've heard Jim's heart, Roland's heart, and the Lord's heart as we've continued on with this conversation today. Uh, There are a lot of moms listening who resonated, and I just want to encourage you to reach out to us if Focus on the Family can be of any help to you. Uh, We have lots of resources, uh, a lot of caring people here. on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. Uh, Be with us next time as we continue the conversation and once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.
3: I'm glad that Roland emphasized the importance of acknowledging loss and seeking healing. I want to echo what John was saying right at the end and encourage you to reach out to us if Focus on the Family can be of any help to you. We do have incredible resources, but we also have caring Christian counselors. And we're only a phone call away. Our number is 031-716-3300. Or you can connect with our counseling team in a range of different ways through our website at safamily.co.za when you click the counseling link. We have among the world's highest rates of children living in single-parent households in South Africa. And so I also want to encourage you, as Jim did, if you notice a single mom and you're an intact family, wrap around her as far as you can. Stand in the gap for her and with her. That's what the church is called to do. I also want to highlight a great devotional if you are a single mom. It's called Heart Hugs for Single Moms, 52 Devotions to Encourage You. You'll find that on our website at safamily.co.za or ask about it when you call us on 031-716-3300. I'm so glad you could join us today and I do hope that you'll tune in next time for the conclusion of our program. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back then when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.